Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. <laughs> Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. My name's Jeff. My name's Jeff. Ah, here we are. We're here. Sunday night. Ravens get the win. I mean, listen, a lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Back-to-back season, starting 6-2. and two. That is nothing to sneeze at. That actually That's is fun. a wild stat, As, especially with the way that things have kind of felt the last couple weeks. It's a wild stat. Yeah. They Don't you agree? Start out, they start out hot both years, and last year the Ravens finished hot. It feels like this team has a lot of – soul searching it's been going through and those trials and tribulations that we've mentioned before people wanted them to go through they wanted uh they wanted lumps and bumps and adversity and all that crap and it's getting served up on a platter now so they've overcome a lot of difficulty a lot of injury a weird week that we'll get into but here they stand six and two baltimore ravens yeah we shall overcome i mean it was uh it was an interesting game. I, I will say that it was incredibly, I would say, frustrating in the first half. I was uh, extremely pissed off. I felt kind of, uh, you know, a little weird, a little off today. I think I had too much caffeine in the morning. Uh, it's been a long, tiring week, but we're Did at the end of this it. morning. I'm sorry. Did you go off this morning? That was yesterday. Morning. No, yeah, that was yesterday. So I, I did that. Had a couple brewskis out there. That probably didn't help me uh, with where I'm at right now. But listen, I'm here. I'm ready to talk some Ravens. It was a good game, and it felt like a a little bit of a soul-cleansing game. They got out there, and they showed some gumption, especially after a first half that was, you know, quite frankly, it was flaccid, it was listless, and it was one of the least enjoyable halves of football I've ever watched. And uh, there was concern that they were going to lose an ugly one, but in fact, they did not come out in that second half ready to rock, man. I mean, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't perfect, but it was the Baltimore Ravens. It's Marcus Peters getting an interception, uh, which, you know, some people may contest. I am not one of those people. I might have been that at first. That challenge was just... <laughs> that it was, was... That yeah. was a real fuck it from John Harbaugh. You got to have a little fuck it if you're going to, you know, turn the tables. And he certainly had some in him there, which 
was on full display. I mean, Peters goes up and gets that interception, and immediately your first thought is, ah, okay, yeah, whatever. Not a turnover. Uh, he throws that flag. I saw you tweeting about it. I was concerned as well. I was watching it with a friend of the show, Eric. We were both pretty concerned, but Eric actually all gave him credit. He's probably listening to this at some point. He pointed out to me, it was like, no, dude, that's probably a catch. And I was like, what are you even talking about? They threw the challenge flag and three steps and down. Marcus Peters. It's because of this guy. It is. Yeah, it is because of that guy. Des Bryant making a massive impact in his first game, suiting up they the brought The sacrificial lamb from the, what was that? The 2015? 14. 2014. It was 2015, beginning of the year 2014 NFL season in which Des Bryant against the Green Bay Packers, Tony Romo hawks one up on fourth and three. Did he catch it? Did he not? At the time, I don't think it was a catch. It would be in today's NFL. It should have been at the time, but it wasn't. And, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, the the ghost of Dez, uh, our boy on the sideline there, just having himself a great day. Good for Dez. I mean, he didn't really, you know, obviously do anything on the field, but good vibes, big Dez guy. And uh, this, this, you know, I, I don't want to get too crazy about this win, 24-10 over a team that I don't want to say you should beat, particularly after the week they just had, but a team that you're probably better than on each of your best days, and they go out there and uh, get the W. So a good day. They did. They overcame – a lot of guys lost to COVID for a practice. LJ Fort has a finger injury, and then Marlon Humphrey out for the game. You end up, you know, having your first game without Ronnie Stanley. Ugly first half for the offensive line was getting bullied well off the ball. And Clay's Campbell goes down. Uh, Khalil Dorsey gets banged up. So the Ravens have three healthy wide receivers, or pardon me, wide cornerbacks. healthy cornerbacks. And it was scary. It was a scary game, and then you're you're walking into halftime after basically watching a completely and utterly anemic offense that hasn't had a stake in six months, and a defense that's you know definitely I, I don't want to say bend not break they they were playing ball, and the Colts had some beautiful misdirections, some screens, some reverses, some ends or end arounds, a couple great plays, and drawing it up, yucking it up. And the Colts end up getting the ball. Was it ten nothing at that point when Marcus Peters ends up with a strip? I think it was seven nothing because I seven think you nothing. had seven yeah, to seven, seven and Colts they scored at the end of the half. Yeah, exactly. So they take it ten to seven into the half. But yes, it was. It started seven nothing. Started seven nothing. You know, Colts are driving a little bit. Nice little Jonathan Taylor, little JT uh, action, and Marcus Peters. Strips the ball out. I initially thought it was Malik Harrison, but no. Lo and behold, it was Marcus Peters coming in, hawking the ball out. Chuck what, Clark, a, uh, what a fucking dog Marcus Peters is, dude. He was, I, trying, to fight. He was trying to fight he, Julian Blackman with no helmet on off of the sideline because he speared Lamar Jackson. Like, and who Who that. else is – no one's doing that. Like, there was maybe one player on – it might have been Macari, I think – kind of got into the mix a little bit, but like he's the guy that's running out there without his helmet on defending his quarterback. He's the guy that's coming up with these two turnovers and turning the game. He's the absolute pimp that is just like making this defense what it is right now. I love Marcus Peters. I love him. have to love Marcus Peters. have to love Marcus Peters. So at this point, he's forced six turnovers this year, I believe, and or accounted for whatever. And then Marlon Humphrey is five, four forced fumbles and a pick, I believe. He might have a recovered fumble and then four forced fumbles and then a pick. Yeah, he had a pick in the first game. I'm trying to remember if he had another one, but yeah. No, he only has one pick. So those two guys are accounting for 11 or 12 turnovers total, if I'm not mistaken, between the two of them. So the 
$42 million boys, the billion dollar boys, billion dollar boys club, making it work, man. And uh, big ups to Chuck Clark. That was a hell of a return. Ravens are really lucky that ball didn't go out of bounds. It kind of just died. They're also lucky that they were uh, playing against Phillip Rivers, maybe the most immobile uh, dipshit quarterback I've ever seen. Um, I don't think he tried to fall down. I think no. I think he fucking tripped. No, he did trip. He was going for that tackle, and he, he tangled his uh, shoelaces up there and kind of went down. And, of course, Chuck had to hurdle over him, which made for a tremendous uh, tremendous picture, and it's probably going to be memed to oblivion. So, great play. I absolutely loved it. I loved every second of that. So that was the only highlight coming out of the first half. I mean, Ravens defense didn't look near – they didn't look – amazing in the first half they looked really strong they looked you know you're you're there's a lot of concern the Colts had been moving the ball a bit they had a good bit of first downs so at that point going into the half you're like good lord how is it a three-point game right now and Ravens didn't deserve to be in that one and luckily they were uh the Colts kind of the Colts just are vanilla on offense like super vanilla Frank Reich doesn't their OC whose name's escaping my mind uh Sirianni Nick Sirianni yeah, yeah, Sir- does it do they do a great job with the misdirections, the end arounds, getting guys the ball in space? Uh, a lot of the stuff that we saw from the Philadelphia Eagles in that Super Bowl run, able to get guys the ball in the perimeter and move the chains, especially in the red zone. We didn't end up seeing it. They've been using Trey Burton and Wildcat a lot, uh, down in the red zone, trying to do some fun things with a former quarterback. And we saw a little bit of that, so it was like, all right, well, shit, why can't the Ravens do that? Oh, it's because their offensive line is getting absolutely bullied off the ball. And that transition into the second half was one of the craziest things I've seen this year. Yeah, I mean, it um, it was pretty much a tale of two halves for the offense, especially. I mean, the defense, like, without them, they're, they're not in that game, uh, which is kind of weird to say because, like, the Colts, they scored 10 on offense in the that first half. And it's interesting that you talk about how they're very good at the short to intermediate stuff and kind of taking what they give you, but... When that's all you got, that's probably not going to last you for very long. And once the Ravens kind of keyed in on some of that stuff, it didn't really work for them as well in the second half, which is a big reason why they're able to come back. And you see Rivers trying that deep shot. He gets picked off by Peters. He tries another couple deep shots. They're really not working out. All they have is that short to intermediary uh, passing attack. And obviously they got some good running backs as well. But yeah, just a, uh, a, you know, for as much as is going to be made about how bad the Ravens offense was in the first half, the Colts offense put up 10 points and like it, it was a closer game than I think it appeared because Lamar and the offense were kind of really not getting it done. And the same questions that we had had the last five few punts, weeks, five straight punts. Yeah, exactly. And the same questions that we had had the last few weeks about like, man, like Greg Roman and all the shit. And like, I'm obviously not one of those people calling for Greg Roman's head, but there was some, uh, some really things you just did not want to see out of this offense against a defense like this in a game that you really need, despite the uh, tough week that they've had, you really wanted to see them show something in the first half. It looked like they were not going to, but they rebound nicely in the second half and uh, do what they have to do. So it's it's a gritty win. It kind of reminds me of the, I think some people were making the Seahawks game comparison from last year. I'm kind of reminded of the Bengals game at home last year mm. when things were really just kind of starting with the win streak. It's a game that people aren't really thinking about a lot, but I think the Bengals had like a kick return touchdown and then the Ravens just take over from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ravens just take over from there. Nothing flashy, a lot of run game, and they just get it done, get a double-digit win. Kind of felt like that to me a little bit. Yeah, the snaps were a big concern in the first half. Skurl with a cut hand, I think, is what was uh, plaguing him there. He had at least four snaps that were rogue, including 
uh, in the first quarter to start a drive on the Ravens 25 yard line, the drive that followed up the Jonathan Taylor one yard touchdown to make it a seven, nothing game. Uh, Matt Skura scooted one back to Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle, very, very alert, alert. That's a, that's the word I was looking for and couldn't find alertly ends up scooping it, grabs three yards there. Uh, so that was from three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That ends up putting you at second and nine. And who knows what that play would have turned out to be, but that could have been a lot worse than it was. Uh, the Ravens did find their first first down that drive after that. They were quite fortunate that that, you know, ball doesn't get kicked by Bozeman or Skura or, you know, something funky happens with an oblong object rolling around as the football can so often do. So they end up getting a first down there. And I believe that was one of only three they had in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines. But uh, a lot of rushing the ball early on and didn't work. They end up transitioning the second quarter, going Lamar Jackson pass from the 905 mark, pass, 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 pass. Finally, Lamar Jackson carry. That's where Julian Blackman ends up uh, dinging him. Dinging Lamar Jackson gets Marcus Peters. In there, the Ravens bring in Ben Powers and try and run J.K. Dobbins from Jumbo uh, as Powers being eligible gets absolutely stuffed. Then Jackson takes a horrible sack on second and 12. So suddenly you go from the ND 35 of the first down all the way back to the 50, third and 25, tack another one on Orlando Brown holding mixed with an illegal formation, DJ Fluker uncovered, and then it's third and 35 and uh, Lamar Dinks one off to Willie Sneed, who kind of almost got them into field goal range, but they didn't want to play that game uh, with Tucker. I believe that would have been a, a – never mind. That was too far. That would have been a 66-yard field goal. Pardon me. But that was ugly. That was an ugly sequence when they finally did get the ball moving. They went to the passing game, get up the field a little bit, had a Mark Andrews 13-yard gain, uh, uh, aided by a penalty a little bit. And that was all the life that they showed in the first half. And it was really, you know – deflating it felt like i felt like this game was going to be a rough one and i predicted the ravens to lose and at that point i was like god this is even way worse than i thought it was going to be and they just come out slinging man no huddle to start the third quarter we see lamar jackson hit willie sneed then again to marquise brown for 14 yards no huddle two of these three plays here willie sneed again dobbins reels off two yard run then you end up seeing the longest play of the day (laughs) ironically there are only four 20-yard plays in this game combined from both teams. So uh, a pass to Nick Boyle there ends up being the long play of the day. And the Ravens go down all the way to the Indy three, Indianapolis three-yard line. And what happens? Gus Edwards gets stripped, man. DeForest Buckner punches the ball out. Gus Edwards, I don't think, did anything wrong. He had the ball, five points of contact. You can kind of see it. Had the ball in his outside hand, which is Just a perfect, do. like you know, kind of perfect situation for the Colts where the fist is kind of coming out. You, you can tell Buckner doesn't really have a plan, but it just kind of hits exactly where it needs to hit and the ball pops out. Right. And so that was, you know, you like people like to talk about momentum and, and those things. It was just Buckner made a play, got that punch in and that could have been really deflating. Marcus Peters, the next play has this, you know, three, four step interception that he kind of loses And I couldn't recall initially. My concern was there wasn't a clear recovery of the fumble or something. I don't know. It was a mess. Tony Romo is basically like. Yeah, Leonard got his paws on it. And then he kind of was coming down, got hit, popped it out. Then I forget who came up with it again. But uh, yeah, it was was a weird, weird play. No, I'm talking about the pick the next play. Yeah. Marcus Peters. Okay. 
So I didn't, I didn't see if, I didn't remember if there was like a clear recovery because if it's a catch and a fumble, like I, I was I not remember. even, to be honest, I was so like, I had been pissed off from the first half and then I was so like not convinced that anything was going to go the Ravens way. So I kind of even wasn't even paying attention to the replay. I was like, this is Harbaugh doing the challenge. He's going to lose a timeout and I'm going to go full Kyle and put a hole in the drywall over there in my lovely parents' house. But thankfully that didn't happen. So who could say I didn't see the replay. There you go. But ends up being a catch, an interception, and the Ravens just came right back out, and it was the Lamar Jackson show again to start the drive. He scrambled. He hits Marquise Brown for 20 yards, the second longest gain of the day on that dig. Another run for Lamar Jackson in the third quarter, then another hit to Nick Boyle, who had a great day, uh, 15 yards there. And the Ravens go all the way down, put in Ben Powers, eligible, three straight plays from the Indianapolis two. They go jumbo. Uh, Gus Yard, Gus Edwards one, Gus Edwards one, Gus Edwards one for six, which is just so funny because after that fumble, which obviously I don't think was Gus Edwards' fault, I think Buckner made a play, but Harbaugh is just so different, so much different than how he was like five, seven years ago. If you fumbled the football, you were out of the game. The, the you know put the put the collar on, put the chain on, you're in the doghouse, brother. And, and not to get too meta on that, but it's funny because five. Four or five years ago, they're going eight and eight every year, and now they're six and two the first last couple of years. And he's not a big doghouse guy anymore. So kind of funny how that works. Funny how you're a little more malleable. Other than maybe Ben Powers, who was snatching souls, it looked like. Was he taking uh, grown men's dreams and crushing them? Yes. And I did see, I got a clear look at one rep of Ben Powers, and I've seen this happen three times where it might be a run block, and it's really, I haven't really seen many offensive linemen do this. And he'll kind of start to lose. He'll just drop to his knees and torque, like twist, kind of like a little alligator death roll. And it moves guys out of the way. It's like this weird little WWE movie does. And it might be holding, it might not, but I fucking love it. Damn it. Sorry, I'm just trying to get a picture of Travis Kelsey's post-game outfit. What a fucking clown this guy is. He, he goes too far, goes too far with those. Like I get what he's I get he wants to be the 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 dude who has a dating show on E or whatever the hell. He's just trying too hard. He's got this weird like bomber jacket with the like these different tones and stuff. It's kind of in gold and white. I don't know. He kind of you almost kind of look like him a little bit, but you're much better looking. I've been told I've been told Travis Kelsey is uh, similar. We both have really tiny ears and big heads. Yeah, he he opts for the uh, the goatee, which like you can pull off if you're like a millionaire football player and on steroids, but. The normal guy probably not pulling it off as well as he is. Not pulling it off. But, yeah, so, I mean, the Ravens are down. A couple dudes on defense. Obviously, the Colts don't have T.Y. Hilton, but the Ravens end up going, you know, coming out in the second half and just smothering, absolutely smothering the Colts. The Colts have their opening possession of the second half, 11.05, Rivers throws the pick. Okay, their next possession starts 5.37 in the, uh, the third, three and out. Get the ball back in the fourth quarter, some, you know, seven odd minutes later, eight and a half minutes later, actually. And they finally find their first first down of the second half. Uh, 947, they go down. It ends up being a fourth and one. They bring in the jumbo and try to dump one to Trey Burton on that little screen. Matt Judon blows it up and Ravens get the ball back. From there, it was just, you know. I'm trying to press. They ran a lot of screens. I think Patrick Queen sniffed out a lot of screens today from what I saw. 
big improvement there. And what we've mentioned on this show is that this common, this common phrase gets used to describe Patrick Queen is that he learns, he picks up one mistake. If he makes a mistake, uh, won't happen again the next week. An example of that was LSU played Texas and Devin Duvernay actually got him up the seam. He didn't get enough depth and Sam Ellinger snuck a ball past him. Texas scores a touchdown, and then you end up seeing an incredibly similar concept from Alabama a couple weeks later. Queen gets enough depth, picks off Tua Tugvailoa. LSU ends up winning that game. Not just because of Queen, but certainly a big part of it there. So Queen looked like he was a lot more aware. He had a lot more perception of the screens. He he realized that was where they were going to get attacked. The, the Colts kept going back to that well, and I believe he had three stops on screens. Lovely, lovely thing to see. Yeah, front seven played pretty well. I don't think there were any sacks, but, I mean, and that was something that was kind of glaring for a while, but eventually the front seven and particularly the pass rushers started to get up into the uh, the grill of Rivers and the other guys and then made some some key plays late. You had the fourth down that I think Judon kind of got up in, into Rivers' face as he was trying to make the throw. The ball just kind of pops up and, you know, falls back down. Nothing comes of it, so... A nice day for those guys overall. You'd really like to see them get some sacks, especially against a guy like that who's not going to be moving around on you a ton. And in fact, he did evade the pass rush on one play and, uh, you know, kind of make them look a little silly because he is a, you know, 50-year-old quarterback that can't move around or whatever, however the fuck old he is. I don't even care. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, just a good game for the pass rush. But again, you would like to see some sacks. But, you know, doesn't really matter. It does not really matter. Colts have a good offensive line. Rivers gets rid of the ball quick. Uh, he did start trying to float some deep ones, and it did not work one bit. Uh, Terrell Bonds particularly had really sticky coverage downfield against Michael Pittman. Pittman had a step, but Bonds trailed him really well. Ball was a little bit too far, and uh, Bonds was up in his grill. There was one where I believe uh, Johnson got a step on Jimmy Smith around the three-yard line, but Rivers kind of floated it against the grain, and Johnson couldn't make an adjustment back to the ball. They struggled to do anything deep at all. Rivers ends up saying post game that the Ravens ran a lot more cover two than he was expecting. So it seems like the Ravens kind of, uh, we don't know how much that might be. The Ravens don't typically do too high very often, about 78% of their snaps. I think I checked before the Steelers game, 78% of their snaps were in single high. So they put the onus on Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott, maybe a little more so in this game, knowing that Bonds and Dorsey, I was going to say, like, I don't know. What was he expecting if Humphrey is going to be out? The Ravens don't run cover two. So I guess they just didn't, they weren't calling cover two beaters. I have seen Rivers beat some, some too high safety stuff this year. I know he had a touchdown last week up the seam on it. But thing is, the Ravens will roll coverage really late. They'll have Deshaun Elliott go from the line of scrimmage to 17 yards deep within a second and a half of the ball getting snapped. He's, he's rolling all the way back and all of a sudden it's too high and, you look at your primary read and it's taken away and then uh, shit kind of hits the fan after that. So Ravens did a great job in this game. You hear John Harborough make comments about how this is, you know, he thinks this was Wink's best, best performance as a play caller. And it's, it's hard to overlook the absence of Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell, LJ Fort relying on bonds and Dorsey and their two young linebackers, as well as Chris board, another young linebacker. And uh, we saw Justin Matabuike, have a great game, have a really solid game from the TV broadcast, at least. Has the the big chase down from behind. and Tremendous, uh, play. tremendous play, honestly. He saved a, a big play there. Right. So that was 
great to watch. They rallied to the football. They tackled really well. If the Colts evaded a tackle, there was a, there was another dude there way more often than not. Uh, Colts ripped off, you know, an end around, had a couple plays there, but nothing in the second half. They really tightened up and it was, it was just a really inspiring win. Um, really inspiring win. The Ravens had no business. They, they, it's not even that they had no business. They I'm expecting, had, so they here's, excuses in the chamber. So I'm expecting, I mean, speaking of Bengals wins, I'm thinking of Lamar's first ever win. The famous Harbaugh speech where he sprints into the locker room and just starts screaming out the, uh, the Jocko stuff, the good I don't know if I'm expecting that, but I'm expecting a little inspiring Harbaugh video to come out next morning, maybe from the Ravens social media team, because this was back against the wall, like fucking nobody believes in us type game. If I've ever seen one, you got all this stuff going on with the COVID and the injuries. They're in a bad spot. And then you got the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. We respect him, but we don't fear him. And then you get whoever the fuck it was, Houston or, you know, whichever one of those bums. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, we respect him, but, you know, we don't fear him. Good for you, fuck. Hold this out. Yeah. 24 to 10. Yeah, we, you know, we respect you guys, Colts, but we don't fear you. Late in the game, third and one. Down by the goal line. Listen, we respect you, but we're going to get our receiving tight end who, uh, listen, let's just call it like it is. He's not much of a blocker get the quarterback to roll out a little bit. You got him as the lead blocker, and you know what? He respects you, but he does not motherfucking fear you, and the quarterback scores, and you know what? We respect you, maybe. Eh, some of us probably do. Some of us probably don't because of the sordid history, to say the least, between these two franchises. I try not to hold grudges. I respect them, but I don't fear him. I don't know about you, but that's just my thoughts on it. The uh, the Indianapolis team. The Ursays can eat their hearts out. I'm sure this is a big loss for them as a team that would love to be sitting at six and two, but unfortunately listen, they dropped to five and three. Listen, solid team. Good team. Maybe they'll be in the playoffs. I think they'll definitely be in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, good for them. Good for them. They'll definitely be in the playoffs. Yeah. It was uh, not a great showing from them in the second half. And if I'm not mistaken, Lamar Jackson didn't have an incompletion in the second half. I might. Trying to scroll through here. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I might be mistaken. Fumble, still nothing. Um, I'm pretty sure he went like 12 for 12 in the second half. Pass yeah, it's. Like, a, I mean, like the thing scramble. about that is he's he he's got a lot of respect for them, but he just doesn't fear them. So that's probably why he doesn't have an incompletion in the second half. Does not fear them. I'm going through here. Fourth, Third quarter didn't have an incompletion. Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, second half, no incompletions. Yeah, fear that. Fuck. Justin Houston. Jake wants to fist fight him. I'm just, this is the new buzzword, by the way, because like Tomlin comes out and says it, and now they're saying it, and now another team's going to be saying it, and this is the new thing. This is the he can't throw. This is, you know, can't get it done in the playoffs. This is the seven defensive backs. This is going to be the new thing. I fucking know it. I know it, and I'm squashing it right now. It's not happening. We're not doing this. It was already squashed. It's been squashed. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm squashing it right here. I'm pulling my fly swatter out and I'm squashing this fly because I don't want to hear this again. Let's stop with this. It's enough. Enough. Let's do this mailbag. Let's do this mailbag. That'll get us into uh, all the other good stuff. And we'll start it out. If I can pull it up. There we go. With K-Brick 2. 
Will the offensive line overcome these injuries as time goes on, or will it ultimately doom them? How do you feel, Jake? I feel like it's a thing where you just kind of have to adapt to it. Um, You're just not going to replace Ronnie Stanley. He's too good. But Orlando Brown, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've broken down the tape yet because obviously you can't. I'm not much of an offensive line guru to begin with, but it looked like he was pretty solid today. And it looks like they've kind of made something out of Bradley Bozeman, which is very nice. And Skura had a rough day with his snaps. Kind of a rough season so far, but... You know, he's working his way through it. Right guard situation is a little murky. Fluker is at right tackle. They're not, here's the thing. They already kind of weren't great, and they're not going to be that this season. They're not going to be what they were last year. So with Stanley out, it's just going to be improvised, adapt, overcome. And I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, any any better than they've been so far. So I would say, yeah, they're probably not going to improve. But I'm not expecting that much of a significant drop-off. I think Jody Alessandros is one of the most underappreciated figures in that building and I think he's going to kind of keep him in line I agree I think uh I think it is a little overstated Ronnie Stanley is a huge loss but I think a lot of it, it, it that's just going to boil down to Lamar Jackson man and Greg Roman as well the Ravens got the ball out quickly Lamar Jackson typically in his career each of the first two seasons and currently this season holds the ball a little bit longer than most quarterback well longer than pretty much every other quarterback Averages 2.98 seconds snap to throw, which is uh, second longest in the NFL behind Josh Allen. Holds the ball, makes plays, runs around, whatever. Today, uh, in the second half, that number came down significantly, it appeared, as Ravens ended up with Lamar Jackson getting the ball in 2.72 seconds. That was quicker than what Teddy Bridgewater did today. Derek Carr, Drew Brees, uh, Mahomes, Wilson. Alex Smith held the ball longer than that today. All kinds. Matt Ryan. So getting the ball out quicker. That can negate the pass rush. That can take some uh, take some heat off your offensive line. And those underneath passes, Lamar was firing some stuff out to the sideline and underneath and using some screens and dialing up some different things and some quick hitters. And I feel like a lot of it just comes down to pre-snap communication with the offense, being on the same page, getting to the line quickly and communicating, uh, as well as tempo. And in tempo, just keeping it simple being able to reel off those concepts. This was a huge game for the Ravens going no huddle as well and proving to themselves kind of and and knowing what it feels like to successfully run a no huddle offense that moves down the field. Takes the heat off. It it limits what a uh, pass rush can do. Things start to simplify. That's been used against the Ravens. We saw the Steelers do it to them last week. And the Colts didn't really uh, utilize no huddle in this game, if I believe. I don't think they had... Any no huddle snaps until the fourth quarter, 11.08 left. They end up going no huddle a little bit, moving the ball just a little bit. And uh, that was the drive that ultimately ended at the Baltimore 16 on downs. But Ravens use some no huddle, get some tempo going. And this is a hashtag analyst statement, but when Lamar's not pressing, when he's not trying to be a superhero and just plays within the fucking offense, Ravens win games. Every, like every single time they win. And when he starts trying to hold the ball, do a little bit too much, you know, expects his receivers to maybe be running the scramble drill and, and finding space and stuff and leads to some errant throws, leads to some spectacular plays as well. But uh, when, when the offense isn't gelling, you got to, you got it, it, check the ball down. So Lamar averaged 4.1 air yard, pardon me. Yeah. 4.1 air yards today. That was the lowest this week. And he has been about fifth 
in the NFL so far in air yards, intended air yards <clears throat> per pass attempt. Why is it not flicking the right way? There we go. Excuse me. So he was second. Alex Smith averaged 3.1 intended air yards. Today, Lamar Jackson was 4.1. On the season prior to this game, he was averaging 9.4, which is fourth in the NFL, according to Next Gen Stats. Airing the ball out. We talk about the vertical stuff and how there's not check downs for him. There's not hot reads against the blitz. Today, they flipped that on its head, got the ball out quickly, fired to the sideline, used those underneath check downs, moved the sticks, let guys run after the catch. Saw a ton of that today. And that's how you help the offensive line. So moving forward, I think that's going to be a key. Very chill. Moving Moving on, we have Jason Woodbury. Do the Ravens trust Lamar to throw? Yes. But yeah, they did. fell in touchdown passes last year. We'll move on from that one. Neon Dion, do you think the Ravens fed Hollywood enough to make him happy? I think he's happy as long as they win, but when they lose and he has two targets, he's going to be he, – he got pissed. <laughs> he got pissed, and rightfully so. Uh, the way that the Ravens responded to that, they didn't kind of just throw that one under the rug. You hear both Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson come out and be like, that's our fault. We should have fed him more. We lost. And John Harbaugh choosing not even to no comment it, which you feel like he usually would. But even he said like, yeah, I talked to him about it and uh, not too happy. So good for him on that. And uh, they got him involved a little bit. He had a bad drop, which you can't do after you do that. But they wound up winning. It was, it was, it was a low throw. It was a little tough. Sure. But he, he got his paws on it. And, you know, if you're if you're going to be complaining about how great of a soldier you are, then Let's soldier. Let's maybe go mission accomplished there and haul that in. That's all I'm gonna say. On that. Uh, see, everybody was like jumping all over Twitter about that. Of course, like, they, of course they are though. But drop. here's, I think that was a little. Of I course, think everybody went a little overboard. Yeah, of course they did. Drop. But here's the thing: he went to Twitter first. He did go to Twitter, but got he went to Twitter after being Mister Zero Dark Thirty Fifteen, and uh, you know I'm off social media. Like, all right, all right. Yeah, that that was that was stupid. That don't don't. It's okay. He's that. he's like a 22 year old kid. I'm not gonna like get on him too much. Uh, whatever. Raven 66 Nation. What do you guys think the offense needs to do to start quick and stay consistent? Hmm. Get the ball out quickly. I guess seemed good. Get the ball, put the ball in Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins' hands. Probably involve Edwards and Dobbins would be my answer. Play action on first down is the pinnacle of what the analytics community loves. And I think once we started seeing more play action on first down, it opened things up, gets the linebackers thinking, you know, opens things up in the passing game all around. So I would like to see more play action early in games, early in downs. Yeah, control the pace. You know, don't get, don't go too fast. Don't. Like you mentioned, like try to make, try to be too much of a hero. Just, you know, kind of play your game. Don't panic. Feed Ingram or uh, Edwards and Get Dobbins. to the line quickly. Get to the fucking line quickly. You felt like when they get, they've had this issue through the first half of this game this year, not getting to the line quick enough, not having time to process. Lamar tries to make late adjustments with like four seconds on the snap clock. And he, it just creates that frantic energy. When he gets frantic, the offense gets frantic. It is like, when you're in school and the teacher is, you know, like very high in energy, it creates a high energy classroom. The quarterback is in control of the offense. You have to be at the line, communicating clearly, you know, making it evident what's going on, snapping the ball, getting the ball out in rhythm, developing a rhythm helps you see the defense, helps you understand how the defense responds. Because when you start going tempo, getting the line quickly, getting the ball off, they have to actually like straight up play coverage, play a basic coverage 
you know, rush four or five at you with less drama, less chaos, helps you understand what the defense is at their core and how to attack them. So I think tempo, getting to the line quick, not even just tempo, just getting to the line quicker, getting out of the fucking huddle, getting to it. I think that should be a revelation moving forward. Sure. Sure. Neon Dion. Oh, no, we already did that one. RGZ23, can Lamar throw for 300 yards or more? I don't fucking care if he can throw for 300 yards or more. Yeah, no, the, he care. can. The answer is he can. Yes. Yeah. Whitehead Will, favorite player to watch. Let's go on the defensive side of the football. I'm going to go with Marcus Peters right now, man. Me too, dude. I, lo- I love him. I, lo- I love him. Like, when have they had a player like this? It's been since before the 2010s, I feel like. It's been It's been post Ray Lewis. Ryan Jensen is the last one. <laughs> I mean, like, on defense. Like, a badass ball hawk who's, like, going to talk shit and, like, mix it up. You know what I mean? Yes. But I just even feel like, like, someone is willing to throw hands for their teammates and doesn't want disrespect, like doesn't appreciate disrespect after the fact Marcus Peters straight up had Lamar Jackson's back wasn't coming onto the field to let it be known. It was not cool to hit his quarterback. Which like all the, all the talk about him from maybe Kansas city, but like this whole idea of him being this like selfish head case, like he's definitely a head case, but like not in a bad way, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's it's, not it's selfish. He's standing up. Of selfish. He's standing up for his fucking quarterback, and like he's, you know, he's going to his press conference eating popcorn after he just like fucking forced two turnovers and just essentially won that game for them. He's a pimp. I, I literally would go to war for this guy. I love him. Eric Jacobs, real estate, the best realtor in the Greater Baltimore area. Uh, how big of a game was this on the big game? Right. How big of a game was this big game on the big game scale? We were having this uh, discussion in my living room, actually, about uh, big games. I've discussed. I've actually went ahead and tweeted before it was over. I've decided this right here was a big game. Guess what? The Ravens have won a big win. game. I'm sorry. Big win. It was a big win. No, this was a big game. I'm deciding that Lamar Jackson just had a big win in a big game, and he just came back in the second half. What about the Colts? Should we be concerned about the Colts? That's a playoff team. The Ravens have beaten uh, probably three playoff teams so far this year. Should we be concerned about Phillip Rivers' ability to win big games? This is a big game to me. It's a big win. No, this is such a big game. game. I'm the Max Kellerman of this podcast right now. This is a big game that Lamar Jackson has won. 95 JD, Ravens went tempo in the second half. Can you see more? Seeing the Ravens do more of that moving forward. Having that, like I said, having that experience of what it feels like on the field to run tempo and do it successfully and be switch it up on a defense that's beating you up is a pivotal, crucial experience moving forward in Lamar Jackson's development and for the, where this offense feels themselves. And Greg Roman, knowing that he can point to that as a change of pace figuratively and literally – when the offense is getting, you know, a little stale or very stale or fucking sucks. So, yes, I could definitely see the Ravens doing more of that moving forward. I'm always a go faster guy, personally. Go fast. I like to go fast. Adam Jones, 357, the five-time gold glover. Ravens defense equals best in the NFL. Do not at me. It might be, man. Yeah. It might be. Um. Yeah, it, you know. Pittsburgh struggled with the Cowboys today. Raven, I mean, Pittsburgh's defense wasn't – they had the two picks, but the Ravens moved the ball on them, scored points on them. 
Uh, other than that, the Bears had a tough day with the Titans. I think. Let me just make a blanket statement really quick. The AFC fucking owns the NFC. As I'm you not, like, I don't have some pride in the AFC. Like, I do have a little bit of pride in the AFC North, just because they have the Smash Mouth football, blah blah blah. But the Dolphins handed it to the Cardinals. The Bills handed it to the Seahawks. The Titans handed it to the Bears. Like, look around, and AFC teams are beating up on NFC teams. It's wild, wild to me. Yeah, I mean, and I guess circling back to the point, I, yeah, like who's – like I wouldn't say they're like this historic great defense, but like who's better than them right now? Everyone wants to slob all over Pittsburgh's knob, you know. They're good. What What is so great about them that makes them like that much better than the Ravens' defense? And if they're the best, then okay. like Not too far off, yeah. Etsy deck or ETZ, whatever. Etsy deck. I'm going with that. Big Etsy How does guy. the targeting game look? Obviously, Harbaugh listened. Do you expect Dez to get targets? I think you're talking about kind of like spreading the ball out, ball distribution. Look good today. Guy, a lot of guys getting involved. Boykin had a catch. Andrews, Boyle. Sneaky good game from Willie Sneed two weeks in a row. Uh, great right. to see that. I love Willie Sneed. If the Ravens want to do damage in the playoffs, Willie Sneed should be getting fed. He is a chain mover. He has he has a moxie. He's one of those first down, you know, he 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 hits above his weight class. As a yeah, he's not the he's really definitely not the most physically athletically dominant guy out there, but he's just in the right spot at the right time and he just makes plays when you need him. Like that about him a lot and the target share I felt like was good. He got Hollywood involved a little bit as we said. Boykin had a couple nice catches. It felt like so. Yeah, good as far as involvement and not as much no Pat Ricard in the passing no game. Yeah, exactly. We were in the same wavelength there. That not nearly as much Pat Ricard in the passing game, which is always a good thing. Unless Duvernay, it's the, Duvernay had a catch. No. He did. Yeah, I think he had one. Um, but yeah, it's it's always good to see not as much Pat Ricard, unless it is the in fact the one yard line, and you can throw some bizarre flat, uh, you know, pass to him, and he's wide those open. Those are fi- I'm fine with those. Just like don't make him in the offense in the, between the twenties. Yes. He's a blocker. He's an outstanding blocker. Use him as that. We've we've spent a lot of time talking about yeah. that. But spread the ball around. The one-two punch of Dobbins and Edwards, while today was tough sledding, they fought for yard. Like, J.K. Dobbins had an unbelievable game, had, what, 35 yards rushing or something like that. I thought he had a great game. Uh, making guys miss behind the line of scrimmage. He had that beautiful spin move in the hole to go get a first down. Uh, those guys are are reeling right now. Mark Ingram needs to be on the shelf. I, if he's he, like I've said, he should just be rehabbing for a mo- another month. Let him go train his ass off and have like a mini off season right now. Then incorporate him back into the offense later in the season when you have your actual cupcake schedule, and then he'll be fresh. Then he can kind of take some of the wear and tear off of Dobbins and Edwards then maybe you have three fresh running backs going into the postseason. That would be awesome. But at this point, there's no reason to reinsert Mark Ingram and take away from what Dobbins and Edwards are doing. Big vacation energy from Mark Ingram. Over, Big uh, vacation energy. When he was, I don't know if you saw JK's Instagram story, but. Yeah, they were like dancing. Around. Mark was getting some uh, Moving on, Big Von 803. Do you think the way the Ravens played in the second half will go into New England with everyone healthy? Kind of translate, I guess. And Marlon coming back in the two-parter. So, yeah, I think that was a, a game where they realized what they can be, you know, a part of their offense. I think that was a little bit of an identity poking its head out against a tough defense, a defense that's more substantial probably than the Patriots, although the Patriots can do some interesting things. But 
Um, you know, the Ravens know they have the option stuff. They know they have the read option, the the RPO, the ground game, all that stuff. It didn't quite work today as it usually does, but ran for over 100 yards ultimately. But the tempo, the quick passing, all that stuff, developing that rhythm is imperative. And um, I believe, yeah, it can translate into New England. Yeah, it probably should. I mean, you're talking about them coming off of the COVID scare, 24 to 10 win. I mean, on the road against a pretty good team, that's no small potatoes. The Patriots are not a good team right now. And you're getting Marlon Humphrey back. So, yeah, no reason why the mojo shouldn't carry over. No reason the mojo don't carry over. Moving oh. on, block 1134. Marcus Peters is playing lights out. He has been the most consistent player on defense. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been the maybe the biggest impact. For all the, for all like, player. and I don't, want, I don't even want to say that he gets shit, but there's just a lot of talk about how you're going to have good Marcus and bad Marcus, and he's going to give some up and make some big ones. And I don't know, man. Like, it's felt like a pretty relatively consistent this season. I agree. Relatively consistent. And it's like the good Marcus, the bad Marcus. So what? He doesn't every single game have an amazing game. Isn't like the best player in the NFL all the time. Is that, is that what that means? Like if I have to watch him, like give up one long pass, like every week for him to make the plays that he does week in and week out, sign me the fuck up. He's given up a couple big plays, which is what I'm saying. Like, it's not even that. Yeah. Like, it's not even what people are saying, which people, many people are saying. He jumps. He's he's a gambler. He jumps stuff. Like, he's really swashbuckling is the one of the great buzzwords. And I think part of it, I think part of it has to do with what we've talked about. We haven't seen him in those deep zones. When you just stick him on someone and tell him, go guard that dude, it's not a lot of guys better in the NFL doing that. Moving on. Cyan 23 seemed like the offense went into a higher tempo and was quite successful. Yeah, we've hit on that a bunch. Definitely sign good observation. Elliot 52. Can this offense grow organically or are drastic changes needed this offseason for a final push? Ravens bet on a young offense. And I think it uh I think that maybe this organization expected the growing pains a lot more than the fan base did. Knowing, you know, we're going to go stick Dobbins and Duvernay and Marquise Brown and Boykin, and uh, we're going to bet on Phillips and Bozeman. And, you know, Orlando Brown is not a, not like a vet. Their quarterback is young. Uh, Willie Sneed, you know, the, the veteran of the team at what, 27 years old at this point, Mark Ingram as well. So I think these maybe these growing pains are a little more expected, and that's why people are getting so fucking pissed off about the Cincinnati Bengals game where the Ravens were airing the ball out with a huge lead. And it's just so ironic to me how that Bengals game gets funnier and funnier every time they go barely lose to a good team or beat someone they're not supposed to or something. But it's they needed time to develop these guys. They bet on a young offense. They have the second cheapest offense in the NFL. Game experience, reps. Didn't have a preseason, didn't have scrimmages, all that crap. So they need to continue developing the offense in the offseason, yes, but the development's happening before our eyes, and it's in terms of experience. They're going to continue. They're going to draft new guys, bring it in, bring it, who knows? They don't usually sign big-name offensive playmakers or anything, but I think experience is more important than, you know, trying to make some big splashy move or something. It's just it's continuing to get your feet under you. I agree. Moving on, Jay Crichton, 33. How do you guys feel about this team? Good. Feel good about this team. Yeah, I feel good. It's not great. They're not uh, 
they're not the best team in the league. They're not on par with the Chiefs, but they're in that next year solidly. They're a good team. They're playoff, you know, probably projected playoff bound, and uh, I'm I'm pretty confident in them. I love their coaching staff. I love their playmaking ability. It's not going to be perfect week to week, but, you know, good team to root for. Fun. Fun team. It's a good team. It's a fun team. It's a young team and a lot of firepower, a lot of superstar names, as opposed to what we've had the last few years. A lot of soldiers. A lot of soldiers. And you better use your soldiers. Sign them. Sam I am, pardon me, Sam I am 328. Have the Ravens finally found a sustainable offense? No. I think we're going to see more inconsistency at times still because they're young, as we just discussed. But this was a big uh, stepping – this was a big stepping point. I can't – springboard moving forward. That I just feel like that no huddle against the superior defense, the the Colts defense is more talented than the Ravens offense. Uh, Buckner, Leonard, you know, all the guys on that front. Decent playmakers on the back end, more experience, some big ticket guys. And they moved the ball right down the field in the second half and had a, a huge flip. So I think it showed them that they can overcome uh, being in the hole. They can overcome a defense that's outperforming them and that there are ways that you can change in-game to defeat maybe a more talented you know, unit. So... I don't know if that is the offense moving forward, but I think it it uh, it does a lot for the psyche. Yeah, patient, consistent, perfect mesh between ability and coaching. I feel like in that, like it's not you're not kind of relying on the coaching to scheme these guys up, and you're not relying on talent one way or the other. They're kind of just in a in a, in a nice medium, I think. And if you stick with what you did in the second half, maybe it'll look just that good every week. I feel like it's not going to be that consistent. I feel like it's going to be. Little stock market chart thing going up and down, but uh, not going to get too low or too high. I agree. Pluke Surfs coming back. Our boy, yes. Our boy Pluke. Coming Had a nice back. little chat with him on uh, on IG. Shout out to that guy. I love him. It's our boy. Statement win. This is what that locker room needed. Here we go. This is the game. This is the game. This is like the Always Sunny episode. It's <laughs> the one where the gang gets it together. The one where the gang figures it out. Uh, something like that. And I think this game, it kind of reminds me, uh, one of our, one of our top commenters on Twitter, can't recall who said this reminded him a lot of the Seahawks win last year. And I couldn't agree more in that sense where, you know, the Seahawks game, Seahawks had a little bit of a lead. The offense couldn't quite do what they wanted to had a little bit of disappointment. The offense was so bad today. It was a little different, but the mojo was there. They got it rolling. feel like they got some confidence going. Got it rolling. Fourth down conversion late when you need one. You get your young player involved in JK. Yeah, it's it's definitely a massive win. And like I mentioned, hoping for a little little Harbaugh Speaks content tomorrow on Twitter. I'm, I'm hoping for it. It keeps the players bought in, too, because Harbaugh has all of that, these, these isms that you're preaching. And so much talk about tenured coaches is does their message go stale? And this keeps the ship rolling, man. The Ravens haven't lost back-to-back uh, regular season games other than the Chiefs and Browns since Lamar took the reins and, and Harbaugh kind of rebought in and feels like he's ex- expanded himself in that way and become, you know, the older, wiser coach as opposed to the younger, more aggressive coach uh, in terms of personality. But he is uh, big into those phrases and those, those goods and the isms and – uh, all that good stuff. So I think it keeps the message fresh. It keeps the players motivated. And back to what Sam I am said, uh, 
have the Ravens finally found a sustainable offense? I think they understand what it feels like to be in a well, well-oiled offense in an offense that is rolling, that has rhythm. So I don't know if it's like schematically going to be a revelation based off of today, but the tempo, the pace, the rhythm, the timing, that all feels really good. Moving on. Jack B58. I heard rumors that James Urban was calling plays in the second half. Thoughts? I don't I don't know about that. I, just, uh, I feel like that's just not true. I don't know if it is or isn't, so I can't really comment on it. I feel like it's untrue as well. But like what can we name a source? Yeah, I don't know. I also someone also said to me on Twitter that David Culley was playing calling plays in the second half. You know what? You know what, guys? I was calling plays. Did you like my play calling? Watch Greg Roman sucks. Fire like, Greg yeah, Roman. James put- Urban started calling plays. Then we'll be like, oh, great, we're idiots. No, who it, knows? I, I don't know. Whatever. Who could, who could say? I don't know. If that was happening, I have no clue to it. So whatever. Happy about Roman's halftime adjustments, Boss Hoss asked. Yes. People need to shut up about him being fired. Yes. Do you think Greg Roman should be fired? You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Listen, you're fired. Yeah, very happy about Roman's adjustments for sure. Going to take you over to Four Seasons Total Landscaping and we're going to fire you. It's going to be tremendous over at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Going to get rid of you. It's going to be quite a beauty. Continue. I think the Ravens have done an amazing job so far this year in the third quarter for the most part. Uh, Shot the Chiefs out, had a drive there. I think they kicked a field goal and then ended up scoring a touchdown early in the fourth quarter there. Uh, I think they went like five or six games, not allowing a point in the third quarter. So I know we're talking about Roman, but this has been a big halftime adjustment team overall. Uh, the Eagles, they kind of had that meltdown, but other than that, great, 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 great in the second half. That that game felt weird. That was a little bit of a trap game before the bye week, and Harbaugh doesn't always do a great job. Playing those big games before bye week, well, not big games, but just getting the guys uh, into the bye week with a win, but usually brings them out. So it was a little bit of the opposite this season, losing after the bye week, winning before it. Moving on, Joe Boken into JC. Will the Ravens have a double-digit sack player? At this point, you got to say no. 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 Moving on. Seven star hash Rosen. (laughs) What? Seven star hash Rosen. I can't say this one out loud, but it's really funny. (laughs) F word, the Steelers, them, N word. P word. Yeah, I you know listen, I can't, I can't say that. I co-sign it, um, hundred percent. They got a horseshoe. They got a horseshoe up their ass, and there's no other way to move on from that one. Joe Bogan and JC, despite the haters, is the Ravens' coaching staff the strongest part of this team? Also, thirty-two is a hitter. Sean Elliott is definitely a hitter. Coaching staff has to be. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I would say the coaching staff is a huge part of this team. Having uh. Kind of three wise men, both of the the coordinators kind of run their own show with Harbaugh, obviously, you know, keeping them in line or, or however, you're, not keeping them in line, that's not the right way to put it, uh, keeping them on the right course, I think, and having a big picture in mind. Yeah, I think the coaching staff is among the best in football. That's, yeah, that's kind of been my point about this team for the last couple of years is I feel like everyone likes to, I, you know, get a little too crazy on Harbaugh sometimes because he's not bringing you the offensive play calling or the defensive specialty or whatever. He's just kind of like a motivator. I think it works pretty well in their favor a lot of the time. And uh, this is one of those games where you need a guy like that. 
and uh, their coaching staff outside of him is pretty darn good as well. So yes, it is a very underrated aspect, and that's another thing that uh, you can look at that Steelers result today, and are they frauds, you know, whatever? They're clearly not frauds at eight. No, but are they a little overrated? Maybe, but I don't think they win that game without their coaching staff being top-notch. So Steelers very good, and uh, or Steelers coaching staff very good, Ravens coaching staff very good as well. So, yeah. Agreed. Gore such a 08. How'd you guys feel about the second half? Other than the fumble, Lamar looked calm. Uh, we've hit on that a bunch, but I agree with the calm part, and that's a huge part of it moving forward. Moving on, enjoy slurms. Halftime adjustments were night and day, in my opinion. What the hell? I was expecting just business as usual. I didn't think this game was going to be business as usual. I don't know why everyone kept saying that, considering the circumstances of the game with Marlon Humphrey out, Ronnie Stanley's first week gone, uh, the Colts threw the kitchen sink at the Ravens offensive line early on. The half of the starting defense didn't practice this week. Uh, I, I don't know why everyone thought they were just going to roll through the Colts, but they, they did in the second half. So I was kind of wrong there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I saw a couple people you included predicted and predicting uh, losses. So, yeah, I, uh, I did not think this was going to be cut and cake. BR Stevens, will the haters finally shut up for a few days? I hope so. I hope so. Because it was just like the classic little media, Baltimore media guys that are always pissy. Uh, Mike Preston gets his tweet off. All the other dipshits on Twitter can start getting their tweets off in the first half about how pathetic the team is. And we've been making excuses for young offense all season. And Is everybody going to keep praising Lamar? That turned out well. Yeah. If you're a hater, you fight. You fight. Michael Murr, 12. What changed offensively speaking from the first half to the second half? Tempo, getting the ball out quickly to moving into the sideline. They went jumbo down at the goal line. Uh, rhythm, rhythm, timing, pacing, all better. Much more calm pre-snap leading to more calm post-snap. I will have – this is going to be a great game for film breakdowns. Last week was too, so I'm excited for this one. Uh, we'll we'll get into it when that good old A22 comes out. I have off tomorrow, I just realized. First time I've had a Monday off, I believe this year. So I'll be I'll be uh, cutting it up and yucking it up. But your boy, your boy working from home this week again, not getting called into the office at the last fucking minute. It's a great feeling. Also, Masters week, going to be – at home, watching the Masters, getting Hell ready yeah. for this coming big game against the Patriots. It's going to be a good week. Hell yeah. A foot. This team will go as far as Lamar will let it. We ride and die with him. I think so, too. I think at this point, without Ronnie Stanley and with this young offense, we saw him able to calm down this offense and get it in rhythm. I think it started with him. I mean, Skur was throwing him goddamn knuckleballs, <laughs> and he was just reeling him in, making plays still, so... I think I, I agree. I agree, Lamar. This this team will go as far as Lamar takes it. He it is a Lamar. It's the Lamar show on offense. Yonda's gone. Stanley's out. Young, inexperienced, cheap offense. Lamar has to make it work, and I think that coincides with with Roman as well, and uh, with the running game and all that stuff. But I agree. It's uh, you know they have a great defense, but so did the Steelers last year and had crap quarterback play. So if you want to. Win that playoff game, get that monkey off your back. It's going to be on on the passer, on the quarterback, on the, the you know leader of the offense to keep them cool, calm, and under command. Cosign, cosign on that one. 
B-Rose 931. B-Rose, you're always so negative with these questions. <laughs> How concerned are you about the offensive line after today's game? I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged. <laughs> Do you see the, you know, I don't want to say Jim Oaks that they're running out there, but they had to reshuffle things big time, and they just lost their all-pro. I, I thought they looked pretty good, all things considered. The, the, sa- the statement up. of... When they tried to go downhill, they got whooped, and they learned their lesson and adjusted. The... The movie of 2020 that comes out, like however many years, is going to be titled All Things Considered. And that applies to this game as well. All Things Considered, they looked pretty good. All Things Considered, they looked pretty good. Agreed. He also asked, what adjustments on offense did you see us make in the second half? We've we've just, we've hit on that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, I, I said this was going to be trial by fire with Buckner and Houston and Autry. And they had guys, they had guys, like, I watched the game last week. They had guys I, didn't, I hadn't even heard of making plays in this game. And, like, they had guys that I hadn't even heard of before making plays in the other game, like Muhammad and all that. They, they're fucking, I don't even know how deep, but they're a good defensive line. Very good defensive line. And the Ravens have continuously faced the best defensive fronts in football. Eagles, Steelers, Colts, like, this ain't a game. This ain't reindeer, reindeer games out there. So it, it is trial by fire, but it is good when you're sitting at six and two and you have some cupcake games. Patriots should be somewhat of a cupcake game. Like weirdly they can fuck yeah. with you a little bit and do some things. They're, they have a little bit of devil in them always, but they are so thin. Their offense is anemic. Their defense is missing a lot of guys. They've lost some bad games. This should be a cupcake game to an extent. It might be close. Who knows? But that, then they have to go Steelers, Titans again. Other than that, they're going to get rolling late in the season if they can stay relatively healthy, knock on the old wood there, but they're going to get rolling and having the trial by fire and then time to fix it against some lesser competition down the line. This schedule is amazing for the Ravens, in my opinion. Agreed. Co-sign on that as well. Mickey Molotov. How about them Irish? Mickey Ooh, Molotov. That wasn't, oh, I thought that would have been Matt, <laughs> but yeah, great game by the Irish. Uh, your boy. I wouldn't call myself a Notre Dame fan. Uh, because I would probably get tarred and feathered and called a cop. But, uh, you know, your boy's mom got her master's there, and uh, I am an Irish Catholic myself. So nice to see them pull that off. A little Ian Book action. Ian Book going to make a great, great slot receiver for the Patriots next year. So true. You know it's true. Uh, Irish defense making some plays. I was really sad because DJ Ugalele is my favorite player in college football. And uh, I think he didn't play great. I don't think he played poorly, but... Notre Dame getting that big dub, man. That was huge for their program. Clemson definitely pissed off. Dude, I was so I was so tired last night, and I was, like, staying up watching it, and I would have gone to bed, but I was like, dude, I want to see Chappelle. It gets to, like, the last drive in overtime, and it's like, Dave Chappelle, after 30 minutes of local television, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to bed after this game. And, you know, stayed up to watch it. And uh, like I said, I haven't been as plugged in on college football as I'd like to be this year, but that was a good kind of template setter for me. Hell yeah. Alex Beitzel, what did you guys see different play calling in the second half? They put their big boy pants on. They put their big boy pants on. They the went to big work. boy Moving pants. On. Shout out to Walt Jr. Jr. Shout out to Walt Jr. You'd have to go get those big boy pants and Walt had to beat the crap out of some kid. What's the problem there, Chief? Having a little trouble walking? <laughs> what a scene. What an all time. That was, that was a spot on. That was, that that was, was good. I'm getting a little shit in the comments here from our boy Adam Jones about my Trump impression. That was good. That was pretty good. ZJ Batman, our boy. What second half adjustments were made? They put their big boy pants on. Uh, does Des get eventually involved? 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to get some targets. He's playing, and he's he's going to be part of that ramp-up period, too. They're going to have that cupcake schedule that Jags, Giants, Cowboys. You can say, oh, well, Cowboys might be dangerous. No, no they fucking suck still. Um, Patriots next week, sure. Get him into game stamina. That's that's part of the process. So hopefully the Ravens are able to have a couple of those, you know, two, three score leads over the next month or two against Jags, Giants, Jets, Bengals, or not Jets, Patriots, Bengals, whoever. I mean, Jags are going to fucking obliterate. It's probably and, it's probably not going to happen, but I need the Ravens to blow the Patriots out next week so you can get an RG3 throwing a touchdown to Des Bryant, and then I need to see that Instagram post by RG3 and whatever caption that he goes with. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride because it's going to be incredible. That's a frameable picture if there's, like, them celebrating a touchdown. That's one I might get framed. The comeback is. So like, he would turn it into the a bumper sticker faster than your fucking head could spin. Like, it would be incredible. I need that to happen. That would be fantastic. But that wraps it up for the Instagram mailbag. Appreciate you guys as always. Good win. Good win. Good stuff coming from that one. We'll probably have some comments from Twitter and uh, whatnot. We do. Ben Wax, Darius Leonard is an absolute monster. What changed in the second half that allowed for offensive success? I guess we've kind of touched on that. What do you got? God, I just see Kyle in the comments here. You're fired. You're fired. That's me. No, that's me. I'm talking to fucking Adam Jones. Oh, 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 oh. we're having a little back and forth. I didn't want to interrupt you. So I'm just, I'm kind of coming at him. He's coming after me for my Trump impression, which by the way is a a tremendous, maybe the most tremendous Trump impression that you've ever heard. It's going to be a beauty. Absolutely tremendous over at the uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping in which we're going to be announcing uh, that we will not be conceding. But uh, uh, what what did you see about the offense as far as the second half for success? Jumbo. Jumbo, jumbo, jumbo. That's been a theme. Jumbo, jumbo, jump man, jump man. Timing, rhythm, no huddle. Person, woman, they man, They threw the ball camera. first down, which they need to do. TV. What did he see? He just started, I have a FedEx shipping label, and he's curling up inside of it. He's popping popcorn in the microwave. He's like Peter's. Yes. Okay, I guess, yeah, uh, we've got, we've answered that. Let's go to Zeej Batman's Twitter question, which is early thoughts on the Patriots game. Feels like a trap game. Ravens are 0-1 against Newton, which is actually not true. I fact-checked him on that. I think they're 1-1 against Newton. They beat him in 2014 and then 2018. That was Lamar, at home, 2014? Yeah, yep. It was a Steve Smith revenge game. Flacco to mm, Torrey Smith after, right. uh, yeah, after I think Morgan Cox tore his ACL and they couldn't snap it. Uh, yeah, so they're 1-1 and against Newton, actually, but... You know, you can say trap game all you want, but like they've been they've been in the fucking ringer the last couple of weeks. I feel like a trap game is not really on the radar right now. They're not trap game is the Eagles game. Yeah, they're not playing well enough to have a, a trap game on the schedule. But listen, you don't want to take them lightly. They had a couple good games to open the season. Bill's always going to cook something up. He always loves to stick it to the Ravens a little bit. And uh, Newton's playing for a career here. Like this is it for Cam Newton right now for at least the next year. They like to run the ball. They run the ball a lot. They don't have weapons in the passing game. We'll see how that Jets game goes. Maybe they emerge as some sort of devil's magic, which is always a possibility for the New England Patriots. But they like to run the ball. They run, you know, jumbo sets, heavy sets, 12, 11, or 12, 21, 22 personnel. And uh, they have uh, they run wham. They run trap. They run counters. They run all kinds of misdirection, zone, power, all that shit. So... Ravens stuff the run incredibly well. Uh, we saw it again today. You know, nothing crazy happened in the run game. They rallied to the ball. Uh, if Marlon's back, DBs are all healthy. 
of who they have available, uh, I think it'll be quite okay. And the Ravens, I think, will be able to solidly beat them. That has the potential to be a bloodbath, in my opinion. I know uh, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is is adamantly wanting that game flexed out of prime time because he's so positive it's going to be a bloodbath. And that doesn't always happen, but... He's also a Patriots fan, so yeah, I could I could see your team wanting to get your two and sixteen flexed out of prime time. Oh, I did not even know that. I believe, right. yeah, I believe he and the the first couple FO founder guys are Pat's guys. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, yeah, I think that is potential to get ugly. We got some big Canada energy from Steve Fisher. It seems like the O is getting off to slow starts this year, which is the exact opposite of last year. Is there one or a few things you guys have noticed that might explain it? Would love to see this team come out of the gates flying again. So I think it was kind of explainable the however many first couple weeks when they were getting behind in the count as far as not winning on the early downs. But I I really couldn't even put a pin on it today. I don't know if I was like out of sorts or what, but I kind of wasn't really noticing what the issue was. I don't know if you did. Early on, I mean, they got bullied. They were trying to run downhill into the teeth of that defense. It did not work. And they have a botched snap early on. Um, Boyle ends up getting a yard back there. Let's see what else happened on first downs. J.K. Dobbins stuffed minus two yards. And there were some, you know, I I don't want to say bad play calls, but like the play calling was maybe kind of not great kind of vanilla in terms of the run game they were trying to make stuff happen going east west it wasn't working and that's where all the fire roman stuff started up again and it's like eh, you know we're doing this again and then you know they they rectified it in the second half which is good but yeah uh nothing happened on first down they ran the ball the first five first downs then they finally have an incompletion of mark andrews another incompletion of marquise brown J.K. Dobbins stuffed again for another minus two-yard gain in Jumbo. They, they were trying to go downhill. They, they were struggling to find any space in the passing game. They weren't getting the ball out quickly enough early on. And the Colts were, I guess, backed up in coverage a little bit. They were trying to funnel. They were trying to force Lamar to throw outside and short, and he did. He had the Marquise Brown drop, which I just mentioned. That one kind of sucked. And so they, they weren't getting a ton of traction in that necessarily then all of a sudden there's you know 40 seconds left in the half first down minus one jk dobbins they kind of concede punt and uh give the ball to the colts and they come out firing in the second half 14 yards on first down to willie sneed 21 yards into nick boyle lamar jackson keeps the ball to the right end kind of darted out there from the 15 down to the seven out of bounds uh they try to punch the ball in on first and three fumble then lamar just started making it happen on first down i mean they they let him drop back, get the ball out quickly. He ran effectively a couple times, and it turned into a Lamar show, and uh, they were better on first down. Had some play action on first down. He hits Miles Boykin on first down with 431 in the fourth in the third quarter remaining. Uh, so they put the ball in Lamar's hands and said, you know, here, we'll give you some hot routes. We'll see if you can sling the ball quickly. And it was a blessing to see him checking the ball down. And that's what we've wanted to see. We know he can push the ball to that intermediate area, the deep accuracy hasn't been great this year. They haven't gotten great deep separation this year. We don't see a lot of shot plays dialed up. But pick defenses apart underneath if they'll let you. Hell yeah. That's what I'm all about. That's my favorite shit to see from Lamar Jackson. Picking defenses apart quickly, getting the ball out quickly in rhythm. That, in addition to his athletic ability and what he can do in the open field, is a nightmare if he can check the ball down and let guys go run after the catch. That is the good shit. 
That is my shit, man. Uh, more Big Canada Energy from Tony Ferrari, one of the great names uh, amongst our listeners. How do you guys feel about the running back? Usage been fairly split between Gus and JK with Ingram out. Do you think they should give either guy a few more touches to build a rhythm? I personally don't. I feel like it's working fine. I feel like rhythm is kind of a, a thing for a fan where you're like, hot hand fallacy type deal where like this guy has to get more if he's doing well. I feel like if you're a running back, you're kind of just going to do what the play calls for and just kind of do your job and you're not overly worried about a rhythm. It helps to get into one, but it's not necessarily a thing that you need. So you got these two guys that are pretty, pretty darn talented and bring different things. So yeah, keep, keep splitting those touches. I like it. Yeah. I, uh, I'll write that check as well. I think there's just different roles and different concepts and, uh, you know, there is, there is a hot hand and then you do talk about that, it, it, but it's like on a given drive, right? Like yeah. JK Dobbins drills off like an impressive 12 yard run and he didn't tire himself out, keep him in for that drive until he gets tired. But I love having two back switch in and out. I, th- I think that's the ideal stuff. And that's why, you know, I went on that little tangent about Ingram earlier. So I think this is ideal, this, uh, back split right now. Thunder and thunder. Uh, Chris Lehman, last one coming at you guys hard this week after you didn't even read last week's Twitter questions. I already apologized to him on Twitter, but we were like a fucking hour and 45 minutes in and we just did not have the bandwidth. Big corporate slogan guy didn't have the bandwidth. So we'll circle back and touch base with you here. Uh, where are the deep shots to Hollywood, AKA soldier or Duvernay? I know OL needs to give Lamar time, but I feel like we got to take at least one or two a game to see what could come of it. I agree, but I just feel like they, it hasn't called for it recently. Like there just really hasn't been a time to do so. The O-line hasn't been giving the time. And I don't know. It just feels like there kind of hasn't been the the formula there to do so because they've done it at points throughout the season. But for the most part recently, they the offense just kind of knows who they are right now. It's really not that deep strike, you know, high risk, high reward type offense. I think they'll get that going eventually, but Hollywood gets a lot of attention. They shade coverage his way. I would like to see some max protection shots with seven or eight in from time to time to block and see if they can dial it up. Lamar can kind of run around and throw the ball away if he needs to, just, just to put that on the table. And I do want Hollywood to get a couple of chances to go run under, under some balls. His tracking ability is outstanding. He has that kind of center fielder ability to go get under a ball. And I think that's missing. So we'll see how they do it. But it felt like after a big turnover game and a game where the offensive line was struggling, they really wanted to just try and move the sticks. Uh, the Colts were playing a little softer than you would expect and trying to funnel some short outside throws and uh, giving up some stuff up the seam. So Lamar took advantage. I mean, the throw that he had to Nick Boyle up the seam in really tight coverage and a tight window was an incredible catch and a great, 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 great throw. So I think Lamar did some masterful things in the pocket and, uh, the Colts didn't want to get beat deep. They never want to get beat deep. They run that cover three soft and Ravens took advantage of the second half. So we'll see. I think it, it just gets dictated week to week based on what the opposing defense does and got to read coverage and take what they give you. I'm a dictate. Uh, yeah, but okay. That, that was all we had from Twitter questions. Twitter Anything questions. else, buddy? Well, that's an episode, I think. So this was a fun one. I think this was a great win for the Ravens moving forward. Patriots next week, primetime football. Hell yeah, we need that stuff. So the Ravens, I mean, 31 straight games. Everyone talked about that. 31 straight games, 20-plus points, 10 straight road wins. Uh, Lamar didn't turn the ball over today. 
I think what we saw out of the Ravens defense was spectacular up front, especially. And, you know, guys like Terrell Bond stepping up in this game as well. I think that we're going to see a lot of good Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott when we flick that all 22 on too. So going to be a fun one to look at. We'll be breaking it down again. We'll have another episode. Try and get some guests on, some Patriots people this week, and uh, hopefully some other fun interviews coming up. But we appreciate you guys for the mailbags very much. We certainly do. Appreciate you guys listening as well. Uh, Kind of a late recording here, so hopefully we were both able to bring the energy. I know your boy is absolutely zapped right now, so I'm going to try and get some sleep after this. But, uh, yeah, appreciate everyone tuning in. Hope you guys will tune in later in the week, like Spencer said, for the Patriots preview show. Hopefully get a Patriots-centric guest on to chop up that game. But in the meantime, appreciate you guys checking this one out. We hope you'll check us out. On social media, uh, the Twitters at Podcast Beatdown is the show's handle. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. You can follow Spencer at Ravens Four Dummies. It's a number four in the middle. Thank you guys for listening. We respect you, but we do not fear you, and we hope you have a great week. Bye bye. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.